Welcome and thanks for tuning in to Diving Deep with DL. You may have heard the saying, perception is reality, but is it? How about this one? What you see is what you get. Is that really true? Because you may have gotten what you didn't want, expect, or deserve. How about this saying, a bird's eye view? Can you really see under the surface? Have you ever been an apple of someone's eye? Listen to what God says about the apple and eye relationship. It's Proverbs 7, 2. Keep my commandments and live, and my teaching as an apple of your eye. You know what's truly amazing? Someone could physically be able to see, yet be blind to the truth of God. How about this? What you perceive is in clear view in front of you. Or is it? You got your tanks. Let's dive in. This segment is titled, Discipleship, the Way of Life, Lens. How important is one's eyesight? And the truth of the matter, it doesn't matter whether you wear glasses or not. What you may see may not be what you actually perceive, because what you see could actually be totally different than what it actually is. What I mean is, before God in his mercy saved yours truly, I projected an image that was what I wanted others to perceive about me. Yet under the surface, I was rotten to the core. It's easy to associate and describe our lives with cliches and idioms, but the plain old truth? One may suppose they are deceiving others, and they may for a period of time. But the plain old truth? They're not deceiving God, because God's word confirms this truth. Listen to Hebrews 4.13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So the simple truth, they're really only deceiving themselves. And self-deception, my fellow disciples, is one of the most dangerous spiritual conditions any person can live. Listen to this truth of God, scribed in the book of James in chapter 1, verses 22 through 24. But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Now, when God uses the word delude, cogitate on this. A person who simply, only, or just listens to God's word, and as a result of being just a plain old hearer, self-deception produces a mental optical illusion within one's own mind. This illusion creates an impression within their mind, resulting in deceiving, misleading, conning, and duping themselves into believing something that's truly a lie. And the lie is, just being a hearer of God's word, or being in attendance in church because that's where God's word must be, right? Or actively participating in Bible studies or other various religious activities, that kind of behavior makes one a quote-unquote Christian. Can we agree that that perspective does exist? I mean, after all, and again, I can only speak for myself, I had over 10 versions of the Bible in my home. 
And because I did, that made me a very religious man, right? I must be a quote-unquote Christian because non-Christians don't even have a Bible. Am I correct? Yet, I looked into the mirror and only perceived what was on the surface. And when I walked away from that mirror, my flesh and sin wreaked havoc in me. Can anyone testify to this truth of God, or am I the only one? And I have testified on numerous occasions. In today's culture, it's better to be a Christian than not to be one. Once a person's delusions become a way of thinking, it creates a false reality, and they begin to perceive these activities that they do are what Christians do. Since they haven't done any of these activities or happenings before, that optical illusion creates in their own mind and they begin to believe that they must be a Christian. Yet God is saying, doer. Oh, wait a minute. Doer? No, I don't need to do anything. What does God mean by doer? You mean it goes beyond memorizing, commanding, writing, and saying God's word, going to church, and all the religious activities and stuff? Ain't those religious activities and stuff being a doer? The difference is looking at God's word as it reveals the life of sin that is being lived out under the skin. And although the mirror may reveal a blemish or two, grime or dirt on your cheek or forehead, and it could be washed off, it does not reveal the filthiness, vileness, or immorality lurking below the surface. That's the power that comes from God's supernatural heart and spirit transplant. Remember Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27, where God says, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. And when God completes his supernatural eternal work in you as his disciple, Ephesians 2.10 comes alive in you, my fellow disciples. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. And as you begin to live your life as this new creature, now being called a disciple of Jesus, Proverbs 3.3 becomes a new way of living for you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. And as a doer, you write the truth of God on the tablet of your heart. So may I ask, done any writing lately? The plain old truth, if an angelic being was your preacher and you listened every single day and yet only depended on your own ears which is just barely hearing, this will never be the means by which your toes will ever touch the fertile ground of God's kingdom. And what one finds is, when their hearing is over, what they heard is ignored, neglected, and disregarded, conviction of sin dissipates, good intentions fade away, 
and on to what truly occupies your mind, me, myself, and I, and you walk away from the truth of what God says, who you really are, under the skin. Listen to what Jesus says to his disciple Matthew in Matthew 6, 23. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What you look, gaze, or fixate on testifies volumes of what is saturating your heart and mind. Yes, you could glance and catch yourself, and know that redirecting your focus is prudent and a righteous action if sin is crouching at the threshold of your mind. And the evidence of God the Holy Spirit's occupation, you know his power and work, is if you're living and walking by the Spirit. I will remind you of God's truth with regard to the Spirit. It's Galatians 5.25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And Galatians 5.16, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So when you, as a disciple of Jesus, are living and walking by the Spirit as Jesus did when he was walking on this planet, you will be eternally minded and understand this evil and dark world is full of hypocrisy, deception, double standards, and betrayal, all directed by the God of this world. Listen to this truth of God. It's 2 Corinthians 4.4. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now Jesus has clearly said, If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now I will testify that it's not you or me that determines if our own eye is bad. Yes, if we were to be completely honest, you would have to say, but I'll leave that response about yourself to you. But rest assured, it's not you that will have the final say as to the spiritual condition of one's own heart. No, that's up to, as the end of Hebrews 4.13 testifies, with whom we have to do. And just to remind you, with whom we have to do, he's the one with a capital O that no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him. So here's God's NGA. The eye is either bad or good, and there's either darkness or light. No gray area. Now wait a minute. Let me ask you this. Did anyone catch what God said? Listen to it again. If then the light that is in you is darkness, may I ask, haven't you always thought that darkness is the absence of light? But is it? Now I will testify, I am not a scientist by any means. But, please put on your spirituality lens for this. Spiritually, spiritual darkness must have similar properties as what we perceive that light possesses. 
So, if light illuminates matter and thus provides transparency, then darkness veils matter and thus conceals clarity. Let me say that again. If light illuminates matter and thus provides transparency, then darkness veils matter and thus conceals clarity. And if it does, then we've been overlooking the pure facts and truths about spiritual darkness since the fall of man. God, his work, his creation, and predetermined plan is amazing. Now, when God says the whole body will be, there's no might be, may be, or possibly be full of darkness. No, my fellow disciples, God says we'll be full of darkness. And when God says will be, he means will be. And what that means, regardless of anyone's valiant efforts, God's commands follow every principle God has put in action. You know, like the law of the harvest or the law of gravity or let there be light, the coin in a fish's mouth, stilling the storm. All things, my fellow disciples, respond to God's command, and your evidence is Isaiah 55, 11. So will my word, which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the manner for which I sent it. So when God draws you, you move. And when he transfers you, you transfer. And when God commands, as 2 Thessalonians 2.11 says, for this reason God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false. You tell me, based only on the truth of God in his word, what will happen when God sends? Now again, I can only testify about my own self. Remember my statement earlier, self-deception produces a mental optical illusion within one's own mind? Before God saved me, the plain old truth, I was a terrible husband and dad. Now, I know you would be someone that might say, oh, DL, you weren't that bad. You're not as bad as some of the sperm donors today. But remember, we're not to compare ourselves to others. We are to look at Jesus because he is the standard. So in my mind, because I was working hard to provide and my family had a roof over their head, food in the fridge, water the drink, and the stuff that made them happy, I'm a good husband and dad, right? And it didn't matter how I yelled at them, cursed at them, demeaned them, demoralized or condescended them, nor the way I ignored them and only took care of the things my own wants, needs and desires and all the rest. All of that and the way I was was all a part of the package. Am I correct? Know anyone like that? Are you like that? So, shut up and accept it. Did I love them like God loves me? No. So based on how God loves, was I a loving husband and dad with an NGA mindset? The plain old truth? No. But in my mind, <clears throat> excuse me, 
deceived by a mental optical illusion? Of course I was. Look at what I produced for them by the sweat of my brow. Every now and then when I go back and think about those days, I stomach knots up and I feel horrible. I just want you to know that. And I'm so glad for forgiveness of my children and my spouse and of myself being such a wretch. Now before being saved, I believed what was false. And if anyone asked me if I was a Christian and loved my family, well, of course was my answer. Now let's talk about something that's most common, like driving. I sped continuously, ran red lights, was an aggressive driver, and I did believe I was a good driver. Self-deception producing a mental optical illusion of no accidents. I must be a good driver because I didn't kill anyone. Came close a few times, believe that. How about at work? I was the boss. And as the boss, if you did anything that would bring a negative impact on me, I made sure you knew that and so did everyone else. Now, I'll ask you. Your life may be different or it could be the same. But let me ask, you know and have witnessed people, even yourself and others, ask those that love you. You have heard what they said about what they believe and how they live is in total conflict to what God says this life as a disciple must be lived out. And yet, they tell you, yes, I'm a Christian. How in the bleep do you challenge me? Who do you bleep think you are to say that to me? Don't you bleep tell me how to live my life. I can live my life bleep the way I want to live it. A Christian? Who in the bleep do you think you are to ask me that question? Bleep, 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 clown. So may I ask, how great is spiritual darkness? I will testify it's so great it can keep you from seeing. Uh-oh, is that the lens? It'll keep you from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Remember what 2 Corinthians 4, 4 said? In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God? Do you find it amazing that God uses blinded the minds so that they may not see? Why wouldn't God not say the God of this world is blinding the eyes? Don't you see with your eyes? Or do you? Now, as good disciples, which are learners of the truth of God, let us look at what the Word, author and perfecter, bread of life, faithful witness, great high priest, the great I am, king of kings and lord of lords, light of the world, mediator, son of man, and son of God has to say. Jesus says this, The eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is clear, your whole body also is full of light. But when it is bad, your body also is full of darkness, as Luke 11.34 testifies. 
The plain old truth, your body will make its way through this life on this planet wherever your eyes, heart, and mind lead it. So, if you're living in the light with a capital L, and that light with a capital L is the means so much more than just living outside in the daytime, then your body will function in the light with a capital L. When God's light illuminates your heart and mind, then the spiritual evidence is living with a good conscience, good counsel, good reason, good works, goodness, good affections, good nature, good intentions, good thoughts, good words, and good deeds. But if your eye is bad, your body is full of darkness. And the simple truth, spiritual darkness creates errors in judgment. And as a result, what one is now deceived to believe and act, they would call evil good and good evil. Listen to Jesus' comment in 1 John 2.11. But the one who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. It could be easy to think that God is only referencing a familiar relationship. But then that would only be on the surface. No, God is saying every human being that hates in some form or fashion and as a result they are walking in spiritual darkness. They do not see nor accept the warning signs. And the evidence of this spiritual darkness is the vindictive, unkind, cruel, spiteful, malicious, and evil spirit that occupies their physical existence. And the darkness occupies the heart, mind, eyes, and is lived out through its members. Thus, eternal judgment is one's final destination. And this final destination is away from the presence of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit forever. And that place is a place where weeping, mourning, and gnashing of teeth last throughout all of eternity. So when your mind is illuminated with the truth of God by the work, power, and teaching of God the Holy Spirit, your heart should burn and leap for joy of the work of God. Because this is the work of God and the evidence is confirmed through what God testified to the disciples in Philippi through Philippians 2.13, which says, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So, it's God's good pleasure that Matthew 13.13 13 comes alive in you, my fellow disciples. Therefore, I speak to them in parables. Because while seeing, they do not see, and while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. And to the disciples in Rome, through Romans 11.8, just as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes to see not, and ears to hear not, down to this very day. But you, my fellow disciples, are living out God's promise and his faithfulness to fulfill his promises in you. Listen to this. 
Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. As God confirms not only to those disciples back there, but rest assured, my fellow disciples, every disciple since, and that's you, my fellow disciples. Amen. So how does God's work happen in your lens by the power, work, and teaching of God the Holy Spirit, my fellow disciples? What does it look like? Well, it looks like this. It's Hebrews 12:2, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And Proverbs 20, 12. The prudent sees the evil and hides himself, but the naive go on and are punished for it. Listen to Proverbs 27, 12. A prudent man sees evil and hides himself. The naive proceed and pay the penalty. In Proverbs 26, 12. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Finally, let me encourage you with this. It's Matthew 5:16. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Your life as a disciple of Jesus, by the power and work of God the Holy Spirit, would cause God's living word and light to illuminate through your new spirit and the truth and work of God that is intended as his disciple for you and to everyone you encounter. And you become a doer of the word. And the word that was made flesh and dwelt among us is now alive in you. You become more than just a mere hearer. God's amazing supernatural heart and spirit transplant creates a new creature within your essence as you once lived in spiritual darkness and by God's foreknowledge and predetermined plan, His love his mercy, His grace, and His foreknowledge, His forgiveness, transferred you from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of His beloved Son, and you are called by God to live in the truth of the only true God and Jesus Christ whom He sent. And you know and you live with a truth of God written on the tablet of your heart, and you now, with every step you take on and in the place or places where God the Holy Spirit prompts or leads you, you now proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that you may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also you labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within you. Amen. As we head back up, take this with you. Revelation 7, 17 says this, For the Lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd and will guide them to the springs of the water of life, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. 
As I meditated on this passage, let me ask you this. Do you think your tears will be from all the missed opportunities to share this wonderful life God has blessed you with? Do you think it will be because of so many times that you have uh, given in to temptation and missed blessings and opportunities for God? Or will it be for those loved ones that you have told them many times how much you loved them, yet eternal damnation is their final destination? Second Chronicles 16.9a says this, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. The plain old truth, God is always watching. And he sees all because his truth confirms it in Psalm 139.12. Even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. And God doesn't just use the word support. God uses an adjective to describe his support. And God uses strongly, meaning powerfully, intensely, compellingly, persuasively, passionately, and zealously supporting you as his disciple that should remove all doubt and speculation as to who it is that's carrying out his predetermined plan in and through your life. Amen? Let me pray for you. Abba, I love you and thank you for today. This is a day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Abba, you've made it very clear that it's by your will and plan that we have been called out of spiritual darkness into your marvelous light and into a intimate relationship with you. Thank you for deliverance from the captivity of the devil, spiritual blindness, the bondage of sin, the control of my flesh, and eternal death. Forgive us of our evil thoughts, our evil words, and evil deeds. I lift up every disciple to you today in prayer. Thank you for giving us eyes to see and perceive, and ears to hear and understand the truth of you and the life of Jesus. Without you, there is no life. Without your spirit, we are unable to carry out the work you have ordained for each of us, every day you provide us with the breath of life. Thank you for today. Thank you for the occupation and work and power of your spirit. Thank you for showing us how to love, how to extend grace, how to offer mercy, how to forgive ourselves, and how to forgive those that have sinned against us. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your life. And thank you for your work. We thank you for Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name I ask and pray all things. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in to Diving Deep with DL. 
The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Have a great day of worship and keep walking the way.